The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I'm very excited to have as my guest, Linda Behrens, and we'll be discussing human agility mapping. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Linda. She's an internationally recognized author, organizational consultant, and leading personality type theorist. She developed the interaction style model and an integrated multi-lens approach to typology that provides easy entrance into understanding individual differences, yet can build to reflect the complexity of what it means to be human. Linda has conducted extensive qualitative research and is recognized for developing user-friendly and practical methods for applying personality types. So, Linda, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you, Olivia. I'm really happy to be here. Excited about your show. Thanks. So, I think most of my listeners are familiar with agile processes and even agile organizations, but you talk about agile humans and their importance for today's organization. Can you tell us what you mean by agile humans or human agility and how it compares perhaps to organizational agility? Um, sure. <laughs> Um, and human agility is very often we think about agility in terms of physical agility, you know, the ability to move quickly mm-hmm. um, and at, at nimbly. And in an agile organization, the emphasis is on paying attention to what is going on in the moment and adapting to that as opposed to just sticking with business as usual. And in order to do that, people have to be agile as well. And since we are, we know from research that we're born with innate personality tendencies, that there are these things that we've become habituated to do, and they're part of what I call our unconscious operating system. And mm-hmm. we don't really get taught about that when we're growing up. So human agility is that ability to really use your own operating system consciously rather than unconsciously, as well as to step outside of it when needed, or at least to make space for others to step outside of it to help the organization or the relationship or just to contribute to society in general. So let me just ask you, you say it's 
we have these inborn tendencies. Do we also get some of our personality from early experiences and um, yes. in our family environment? Okay. Yes, we do. And and this is one of the, the big debates, you know, nature versus, versus nurture. Right. That's then rampant for years and years and years. And, um, you know, brain research now is showing us that our brain is plastic and it can change. And yet, one of my colleagues is a, a brain researcher who has identified that the fundamental pattern stays the same, but the expression of that pattern seems to change. And so, with those experiences. So, there are certain aspects of ourselves that are there from the beginning, but there are certainly a lot of things that are laid down very, very early, such as as culture and the kinds of environment we're born into and and the things that we, we wind up doing later in life, even. You know, that contributes to how we see ourselves, how we make meaning of things, and how we behave. Interesting. So, so what is human agility mapping, and why is it important? Well, it's, um, it's, it's about, uh, we called it mapping because it's not like personality typing, where you take a test and you get some feedback and you go through a self-discovery process. Um, but the mapping is that you get a map inside your head <laughs> and preferably in an organization as a shared language for what some of those uh, unconscious operating system rules are. And, and so the mapping is identifying using different models and different lenses. And I use three different personality models um, and lenses that all integrate But there are others that also can contribute. And then looking at development, looking at our culture, looking at a multifaceted look at how, uh, what is influencing our behavior. So having a map for that help us navigate, just like having a map helps us, Mm -hmm. you know, get from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Like a psychological GPS or something. (laughs) There we go. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) So, uh, so... Can you share a little bit about the three models that you use to help map? Sure. Are they familiar to us? Well, some of them might be familiar. One, one is um, the personality types that, that came out of Jung, Carl, the work of Carl Jung, and often think of that as the, the MBTI instrument or the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator instrument, which okay. yields a four-letter type code. Um, that model has grown and developed beyond uh, just... Uh, dichotomies that are represented in the instrument that helps detect what the whole pattern is. And so that lens is what I call cognitive dynamics because it's how we tend to think about things. Mm -hmm. And there are 16 personality patterns, um, but there are eight cognitive processes that drive those patterns. And so it's the configuration or the arrangement of that. And that's the one that most people might be familiar with. Um, it is not the first one I use when I'm working with an organization, however. Mm-hmm. Um, another model is uh, what was developed by David Kersey uh, and called temperament theory. I call it essential motivators because it identifies what our deep psychological needs are. And there are four essential motivator patterns with different needs. And each of those needs are so important that if we don't get them met, we 
go bonkers, <laughs> to, put it, you know, to put it kind of lightly, because it isn't pleasant. We go to great lengths to get them met. And so it's very important for us to understand for ourselves what our needs are. And when we're working with other people, to have people have compassion for those needs and to recognize that sometimes when they're not getting met, we get stressed in certain ways and just sort of help us out of the stress. So that there are these four different patterns, which I call improviser, stabilizer, theorist, and catalyst. Of course, there's always a danger with naming things with mm. four different rules. The other model is a, a four-part model, if you will. It's called interaction styles. And if essential motivators tells us why we do what we do, the interaction styles tells us how we do what we do. Mm. And that's, that's how we interact with others, others, how we're inclined to interact. Do we prefer to chart a course? Do we prefer to um, take a role that has us in charge or to act in charge? Do we have an energy that's more get things going and involving? Or do we have an energy that's more uh, behind the scenes and integrating? So... Each of these four energies show up in the way we move, in the way we talk, and uh, and then there's a core drive at each of, in, inside each of those. And I love this model in organizations because it's so easy to see mm-hmm. and learn, and it makes such a big difference in terms of the interactions that people have. Well, and I have to say, so I've done this process with you in a workshop, and I came out as a behind-the-scenes strategist, which, and when I read the description for the, those two things together, it was scary how well it described me. Because in all the other tests, I've always been somewhere in the middle, not really extreme on one or the other, say in Myers-Briggs and some like DISC and things like that. But this one was so powerful. And I remember we were in a large group and... Everyone self-selected into, I think we were just looking at the interaction styles and then talking about what we liked about the theories we were studying and the one we got, I guess, in opposite sides of the rooms and, and what I liked about it, the people on the opposite side of the room hated about it. And remember that? And I mean, I'm I sure do, you yeah. see this all the time, right? That. We um, what we think is wrong with something is what our opposite will absolutely love, and they'll think what we like is the problem. So, oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, for us to be our best at work and to make our best contributions, we need different kinds of environments, and we uh, flourish best in different kinds of environments. So, what what happens is you have these conflicts about how we how we want to work together, how we want to interact, and and those. Um, those conflicts, you know, if you wind up in a system that doesn't make space for the way that you are most productive, mm-hmm. then it's hard to bring your best to the organization. And that's why organizations really need to have some way of accommodating and navigating the, the complex world of these individual differences and how they all impact um, the work we do, how we do it how engaged we are in doing it, and, um, and, and, and the time wasted with con- on conflict. And I would also think there's probably certain roles that certain types lend themselves to. People that like to be in a cubicle all day and not have a lot of interaction with people versus those that just want to take over and tell everybody what to do. You know, they have their place, right, depending on the 
task at hand. Yeah, and that's kind of a, that's part of the system I use, which says that we hold all these models lightly because um, I may have a behind-the-scenes style, as you do, but when I have a role that is in charge, I may move to that role and that energy. Mm-hmm. What help? What what it helps me is to know that I, I'm going to pay an energy cost if I have to sustain it and do it the way somebody else would do it the whole time. So we can shift, and we can do things that are um, that are uh, different than our natural styles and sustain that. But we do tend to gravitate towards certain kinds of environments and certain kinds of roles in organizations, I think. Well, so I'm curious, if someone is a take charge and their style might be to just tell people what to do, for example, but if you saw someone that wasn't like you and I maybe don't naturally go for that, but we are forced to, would we tend to be more empowering rather than telling people what to do? Is there any difference there do you know what I mean yeah I think so because um, I've worked closely with people who have an in charge style by the way take charge is often how we think of it mm. and, uh, and take charge is what anybody does when they get frustrated when things aren't getting done and the, the, the beauty of this is I think that someone who has a natural in charge style may mm. be a little more graceful at taking charge than someone like myself where when when I've tried to empower people or, you know, to give them the information because I want them to want to, but things still aren't getting done, uh, I might just get pretty blunt and nasty with mm. it, you know. So, right. what I've noticed with my uh, in-charge colleagues is that they're so graceful when they do that. Now, of course, they can right. get bossy and under stress, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just sort of do it naturally. And, and the agility that we need is to blend our communication so that, for example, those with an in-charge style and a chart-the-course style want to tend to want to, their time and task focus, so they tend to be directing in their language. And those with a get-things-going style and a behind-the-scenes style tend to be informing in their language. Now, informing language is really great when there are lots of options and you want people to buy in or want to. And directing language is really great when you, you, know, you need to be clear that somebody needs to do something and there's a task mm-hmm. to be done in a time frame. Well, mm-hmm. actually, what works best is to blend the two. So, as my friend says, um, she could say, uh, put the wine in the refrigerator. I mean, she could say it nicely because that's her style. Would you please put the wine in the refrigerator to her husband, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I might be inclined to say, oh, I forgot to put the wine in the refrigerator. Oh, so you would. And, yeah. Oh. And, and my husband, being the same style as I am, would probably know what I meant. But mm-hmm. she might not. She might just think that's some information. So, you know, the blended solution is, I forgot to put the wine in the refrigerator. Would you please do it? Or could you do right. it when you go into the kitchen or whatever? And, and so what we find is that the most effective communicators um, can be agile and shift from one style to the next when they need to. Mm-hmm. And do it and, and practice it enough to be gracefully, do it gracefully. But when in doubt, it's always safer to blend, to use both styles. And that's only one, one of the dynamics of the four interaction styles. 
Right. Well, so we're just about up on a break, and um, I do want to talk about this more. So let me just reintroduce you and um, let our guest, our listeners know where to find more information. So my guest today is Linda Behrens, and you can read more about her work at lindabehrens.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-B-E-R-E-N-S dot com. And we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and I'm back with my guest, Linda Behrens at lindabehrens.com. And I want to mention that she does have a book that talks about Interaction Essentials, and it's called Interaction Essentials, Three Keys to Effective Relationships in the workplace and beyond. So this isn't just for work, it's for life. And I encourage you to look into that book. Uh, You could probably get it on Amazon or her website. So before the break, we were talking about the four interaction styles, uh, chart a course, in charge, get things done, and behind the scenes. And we mainly focused on in charge versus behind the scenes. Um, Linda and I are both behind the scenes and sort of struggle sometimes when we have to be in charge, or at least I do. Um, And she was saying that the best way to approach it is to try to blend the styles. So, Linda, can you talk a little bit about the other two uh, interaction styles, chart a course 
or chart the course and get get things done. Yeah, it's get things going actually. But oh, sorry, I love it that you said get things done because <laughs> one of the, one of the stereotypes about just from the name of get things going is that they only want to get things going, but they actually want to get things going to get things done. Mm. You know, so there's the it isn't just about the getting it going; it's about having this involvement and engagement and an energy. Whereas mm. chart the course likes to have a roadmap or some some sense of where they're going. Um, and to anticipate so that um, they they can actually um, have some sort of course of action in mind when they get there, you know, as they're as they're preparing to get there, and when they get there, so they have decision points to make to use. So these two actually, we've we've looked at uh, the, they in a matrix. They're diagonal, meaning that they 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 have some things, quite a few things they don't have in common, but they have something in common. So I just did an activity with an organization <clears throat> where the whole it's been worked worked into the fabric of the organization, and we had people in this work group um, talk about their ideal office space, and then I had they drew it, and then I had them uh, talk about their best work environment, you know, when when they're at their best, and then I, in interaction style of like groups. So the get things going folks said that they really like an open space where you can all be in the same space at the same time, that you can be working on your computers and you can uh, enter into a conversation when, you know, when something comes up or you can just go back to working on the computer. And there isn't any judgment about doing that. It's just that sense of being involved and engaged and, and having lots of opportunity for interaction. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so what, what, what this get things going style wants is out of the interaction comes something that you wouldn't get otherwise. So it's about getting an embraced result so that people have had an opportunity to agree or disagree and that out of all of that will come something much, much better. Those in the chart the course group said that they really like to have they liked the interaction. They, they weren't opposed to interaction, but they wanted to have some notice about it. They liked scheduling appointments. The other group didn't like scheduling appointments, uh, scheduling <laughs> meetings. Um, and the, the interaction subgroup, one woman works at home. Um, this, this team works remotely, but they were together for a retreat. One woman works at home, and she said, in, in her ideal world, there would be a UPS, uh, you know, a, a, an opening where UPS could just you know, put the boxes in and you didn't have to interrupt your work to go answer the door to get get the shipments because they live out in the country. So, oh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. And, and you know, that, so there was a lot of uh, wanting some quiet space where if you're working, you don't get interrupted. Um, and if everybody's all working in the same room, that's fine. But they wanted to be able to anticipate, you know, to when they get in the flow of what they're doing, they don't want to get out of the flow. And they wanted to be able to anticipate what was going to be needed of them or when there was a meeting to know what what was going to happen. Well, um, can I ask you, would these people tend to be more um, or like less spontaneous in their other parts, in other parts of their lives? Like um, need Need more predictability, perhaps. Well, some, but mo but uh, but there are some who are uh, really quite fun-loving and uh, and spontaneous. 
but for the most part, they they like to to be able to anticipate something. It doesn't mean they won't do something on the spur of the moment, but something that's really important, they want to um, anticipate so that they can get the desired result. Okay. And in in their interactions, they might be a little more reserved and uh, contained in their energy, whereas get things going is really a fairly bubbly kind of energy. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk about the essential motivators as well. Any any kind of final thoughts about the interaction styles? Um, no, I think that I, I, this, is, this expresses in the body, so it's often pretty easy to observe. And, and you, you know, you, everybody knows what in-charge energy is like and because they've been late before. That's the, you know, you're determined to get there. And you know what chart the course energy is like because there have been times when you focused on something so much that you weren't really, you had tuned everything out. And and get things going energy is just when you're so happy to be going to meet somebody or do something that you almost can't contain yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then behind the scenes energy is that kind of open, just got, you know, landed in this city. I want to see what's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, exploring what's open. So we can all experience that energy from time to time. Therefore, just, we can be more agile. I see. So it may be that if we're forced into a different energy or a different style, I mean, we may, it may take more of our energy than yeah. our natural style, but we, as I, I suppose, as we become more skilled, uh, ideally, then we can do them all. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, tell us about the essential motivators. Well, the essential motivators is um, is a, a lens that I use to get at some very deep psychological needs. And um, there's some really good news about this style. Um, there are the needs, and then we have talents to help us scratch the itch that the needs create. <laughs> So, um, when we're working, we tend to like to do the thing that our talent lends us to do. So, Mm -hmm. the things that we're good at. Now, the difference between talent and skill. Talent predicts how quickly you'll learn a skill. It predicts, perhaps, whether or not you'll do it really well. And, um, and, and people can be skilled in things they don't have a talent for. They can find work doing those things, um that is satisfying but in the end they will ultimately take a different approach so um, the talents are tactics logistics strategy and diplomacy and um, the the improviser pattern the emphasizer essential motivator pattern has a need a psychological need to be free to act now now we all want to be free you know, mm-hmm. nobody really likes to be super, super constrained, right? But right. these people need it psychologically. If they don't have it, that psychological death. And they want to make an impact to see a result from, from what they're doing in the moment. And for them, it's painful to not to see something that needs to be fixed, corrected, worked on, see a solution. Some action needs to be taken. You know, next actions are, are kind of... Those are the things that they're interested in. And that, that they are gifted at ta- tactics. Their mm. talent lies in, in what actions do we need to take to accomplish the goal that we're after. And you can do tactical planning. 
you can have a you know it's not just here and now it could be in, in the future but it's 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 about what actions are we going to take to figure out what needs to be done and to notice opportunities for action okay so that's the improviser with their tactical approach the stabilizer wants to bring oh and well let me look at the name too the improviser is about um coming up with with solutions, adapting things to mm. to what's needed in the moment. The stabilizer wants to bring some stability so that the world goes on and they hunger for being responsible and a sense of of, of, of fulfilling their duty and they you know they want to have that responsibility. Sometimes they get so hungry for responsibility that they take on more than they should. And they really, really want to have a place to make a contribution, to, to have a place where they can actually contribute to the ongoing maintenance and stability and sustainability of whatever it is, whether it's an organization, whether it's the world, whether it's the family or just their own lives. And their talent is logistics. And logistics are about the things that need to be put in place in order to make sure that things go right and things don't go wrong. I mean, we all know logistics really well because we know, you know, that UPS and FedEx are really masterful at getting things in the right place at the right time to the right people and not to the wrong people. Um, And it could be information. So it can be involved with educating. It could be involved with uh, taking care of people's comforts making sure they have what they need to do their work. Um, I think human resources often involves a lot of logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's that, that ability, talent for making things uh, repeatable and make them go right and not go wrong is one of the talents of the stabilizer and it helps contribute to the stability. So putting in place processes that will be dependable for the long term. Processes, um, roles, uh, systems, rules, regulations sometimes, um, you know, scheduling, uh, uh, managing the resources actually. Okay. And the the next one is the theorist. Mm -hmm. And the, the theorist isn't about theorizing. Um, it's about and some of them really like to do a lot of theorizing and making up theories and looking at theories and spending time in theory land but a lot of people with a theorist um, pattern are really motivated by uh, getting to the ultimate truth of something so they're interested in having the theory be a solid theory behind what they're doing so they want to know what are the principles behind and the need they have is this knowledge and competence now I can't imagine anybody who doesn't want to be competent. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that's my temperament or my, my central motivator pattern. But it's about having the competency and, and to feel incompetent is like psychological death. So, Interesting. needing it more than others, perhaps. And having mastery over some body of knowledge or some domain where they do things really well and they know it deeply is often something very important for the theorist. And strategy, now this is one of those words, you know, it's in business, we all have to be strategic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's no more important than logistics or tactics or diplomacy. But it has a a weighted value, I think, in business. 
So strategic planning needs to involve all of the skill sets, but strategy is about getting a picture of the long range, where you're going to go, and the implications for what you're going to do, and how what you're doing really undoes the strategy in a way. So what are, what are the unintended consequences? So there may be a very specific vision of where to go and all the things to get it there, or it may be... Um, tuning in or becoming aware of mitigating factors or uh, possible influences that we might not have thought of. And so it has those two qualities to strategy. But it's, it's often about a very abstract, in some ways an abstract kind of thing, not about the actions we need to take, but about the, um, the goals that we're going to go get there and how the means contributes to getting to where we're going to go. I see. So, okay. uh, and and, and that, well, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story here. I I used to have a corporation, and I had people working for me, and and now I'm I mostly just do my thing at home, but and and with organizations. But I had somebody would say to me, "So, Linda, I have a quick question," and I would give her this long, kind of strategic explanation. All she needed was an answer for her question, mm-hmm. you know. But I had this agenda that everybody in the company could needed to know the strategy, uh-huh. so they could make better decisions. Well, that could be true, but she just needed an answer for the question. So it's kind of retrospective, you know. It's really good. Yeah, and I think about when I would when my kids would ask questions, I would try to give them the. The, the reasons and the background because I didn't want them to come to me in the future. You know, I wanted them to sort of learn to make these, answer these questions for themselves. But I, but I can see I might have a tendency to do that in business just like you did. And I, and I wouldn't even think, oh yeah, they just need a quick answer and they don't need all this other stuff, you know. Right. So, so we can learn to, to shift the perspective using mm-hmm. this. But let me finish with the other one. Yeah. The catalyst is, um, you know, a catalyst in, I remember from high school chemistry, that a catalyst is something that enters in, that, that accelerates uh, something. It, it, it enables <clears throat> an interaction, but it doesn't lose itself in it. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't affect it. It's sort of, that's my understanding of it anyway. So, if you have a catalyst as your essential motivator pattern, there's a constant search for the question, who am I? Mm. Because, that, you know, if you've got to be in touch with your own identity so that you don't lose it. And, and this sense of deep meaning and purpose. And uh, that there is something, the greater good, some bigger purpose on the planet that we're working for. Um, and, and the talent is diplomacy. And diplomacy isn't like the political sense that is about, uh, you know, getting people to agree, perhaps. But it's about underlying, identifying underlying tensions and really resolving the source of those tensions and and issues and helping people uh, connect, helping people to find their own meaning and significance, to grow and to develop so that they can um, realize who they are. And, um, and so diplomacy is the talent that helps people do that because they really get to what someone, they really get to getting people to really understand um, what they're about and to reveal themselves, help other people reveal themselves and understand themselves in order to get to those deeper issues. So it sounds like 
someone with these um, urges and talents would be good maybe in human resources or, you know, as a CEO, sure, but but even... Yeah, yeah, you find them attracted to um, the development side of the human resource, resources. God, yeah. And they often are attracted to, um, you know, helping people and, and the helping professions. But I know a fair number who are in marketing. Mm, right, because you'd want to know what makes people do things, right? <laughs> right, and they want to know, you know, that... that and and but for them it will be important to have uh, to work in an organization where health is important. You know where mm. healthy interactions are important. So they'll be sensitive to that. I f- suspect I read a I saw a book called The Purpose Economy. Mm. That's a new book that's out, and it, and it just struck me that from what they're saying that. The current generation is very tuned in to meaning and purpose, and yeah. um, that the paycheck isn't really as important as it was to other generations. So I suspect these these essential motivator themes show up in generations, and they show up in in uh, lines of business mm-hmm. uh, thinking. You know, leadership development theories, uh, organizational development models, all different kinds of models. You can kind of categorize. You can see some some of these themes showing up in them and in trends we have at different times. Yeah, I can see that. And there's studies out there that show that the young people are more interested in patronizing companies that care about the environment or treat their workers well. So that really makes sense. Well, we're up on a break again. So let me just reintroduce you. I'm talking to Linda Behrens and we're talking about mapping human agility mapping and some of the interaction styles and essential motivators that um, make up sort of who we are and how we behave in business. So we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your plan going? Could you use a little help on your path to success? Why not step up and play big? Join host Chris Ruisi for a show that will help you identify the possibilities that await you. Too many people succumb to just being average when they could be exceeding average without too much more effort. It's time for you to become exceptional. Raise the bar to your success. Basically, it's time for you to step up and play big. Join Chris Ruisi every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. 
Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rudd. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia, and I'm back with my guest, Linda Behrens, and we are talking about human agility mapping, and we had spent the first two sections of the show talking about interaction styles and essential motivators. And so um, I'd love to have you tell us, how does all this relate to human agility? Well, part of it is about centering. I have a process I call CORE, and the C stands for centering. So when we get off base and we get stressed, we're not centered. So having this map for what is my center. So it's kind of like the GPS, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you want to go somewhere and, and then, you know, you can tell it to go home mm-hmm. and, it, and, and, you, and you go home. So, yes. so the idea is that, that that's where we feel most powerful. And there are a lot of other things about centering that are not tied to these models, but these models help us know that. And then the next set is opening. It's about opening up to see, oh, maybe I'm not using my talents in the best way possible. Or, oh, here's another way I could contribute. Or, oh, maybe I want to, you know, we need to make space and open to other people and let them be them instead Mm. of having this disease I call be like me syndrome, BLM. No. And so we have to open. And then then how do we do the relating piece? And in relating, um, this is where these models come in really handy because each has a language and we can learn to speak the language of the style and the energy of the style or the language of the essential motivator pattern and and shift our communications. Mm-hmm. And then the, just to finish on the core, the E is about expanding. So I'll get back to that in a little bit. But with each of the, the essential motivator patterns, we can take different perspectives. We, we can kind of mentally shift our perspective so that we can see the value of seeing things from a tactical perspective, from a, a, a strategic perspective, from a diplomatic perspective, and from a, a logistical perspective. And in the workplace especially, we, we need to identify, does this need tactics, logistics, strategy, or diplomacy? And, and we can learn to speak to the values that go with each of those needs uh, once you know more about the patterns. And, and, 
and not so much to manipulate people, but to really be able to take their perspective because all of these perspectives bring information and problem solving that we might not have, have, have thought about. And so unless we honor those that diversity, you know, we'll just be doing more of the same and, and we, we won't just- be agile. And we will get the best out of each person by understanding w- w- where they're the most gifted or comfortable, right? Yeah. And, and at the same time, it's kind of a paradox. We want to, to nurture that. But when somebody wants to step up to do something and they have a skill set, we don't want to say, oh, well, you can't do that because you're a theorist. Mm. Do you know? Right. So we, we have to balance that. That's what I mean, again, by holding them lightly. Um, people can have skill and not be talented at it. Talent, what their talent is going to nurture their needs probably. Mm-hmm. But they may find a way to use that skill to nurture their needs too. So holding them lightly is very important. Interesting. And, and I guess the other, the other piece might be to take a look at the last, the other lens that I use. Yeah, please. In the mapping. And um, well, the other personality lens, which is uh, based on Carl Jung's theory, but it's... Um, it's really a, what I call cognitive dynamics, and it's what what processes we use to think about things. And in this model, there are four cognitive processes of, of accessing information. And we know from uh, the neuroscience research that Dario Nardi's been doing that that um, these patterns, they're patterns of using the brain in different ways. And so we know that they show up. And so people have a tendency to prefer one of these four ways of accessing information. Mm. And then we have four ways of, of, of organizing that information and making decisions. And so um, each of these eight processes occurs in a pattern. And, you know, that's not quite as quick to explain, but if we just think about the kinds of, um, of, of, of information that comes from uh, foreseeing, for example, mm-hmm. you know, envisioning helpful transformations and seeing what's going to, you know, what's going to happen and see things in a completely new way. Or referencing and reviewing the past to see what's relevant from the past. Mm-hmm. Or tuning into um, interpreting what's going on between the lines, and and what what is an emerging, how does something that's going on here relate to something outside this context, mm. and then and then really noticing what's going on right now, right in front of us, and so those are four different kinds of information that we tend to privilege. Like I tend to interpret before I do anything else. Hmm. and uh, I often forget to get the details. And so if I'm working with somebody, let's say a client calls, and I want, I want to have my colleague do a follow-up on it and, and take it over, she'll ask me all kinds of questions, and I never got the answers. I never really thought to even get the information because I read between the lines accurately usually mm-hmm. and could give her the gist of something, but she needed the, the data. And, Interesting. And, and so it's a really big <laughs> big lack in an organization that privileges only one kind of information or maybe only two. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be agile unless you're paying attention to what's going on now, mm-hmm. noticing what, what, what is the data we have, what are the metrics that we have, and, and what are the, and, and get a vision of the future, and read between the lines, and review the past. All of those pieces of information are really important. 
Yes, yes. And I think we all know people who tend to like to do one of the four, but you're saying we really need to be aware of them all, especially if we have to do something that's not our natural way of looking mm-hmm. at the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I guess this also plays into putting people in certain roles. So people that are good visionaries would probably be great on strategic planning, for example. Um, but then they would also need to be able to look at the past. Yeah, it's very right. interesting. Right. Yeah, and I've noticed that some of the, the uh, change methodologies out there and I don't, I don't know that I want to name any of them, but some of them you know, seem to privilege. Uh, and they're really breakthrough because they help us identify blind spots that we have. But um, they privilege emerging information, you know. And, you, and, and, um, and there's one that on the surface looks like it's all about that, like Theory U, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you download from the past, and then you, there's a, a process of going inside and reflecting and allowing insights to come and paying attention to what's really going on and, and as well as um, what is emerging. So it, it, it's a process that on the surface like, looks like it's only just about what's emerging, but in this system, they've got some, some space for the past and some space for a vision of the future and some space for um, gathering metrics and data and a space for emerging patterns so um, some of them that one happens to have seem to have all of them but on the surface doesn't look like it mm-hmm. and then there are other other change methodologies that only rec- recognize one or two sources of information mm-hmm. so it's very useful to know about what your privileges are or what your preferences are I will say that as I've gotten older I do more and more uh, reviewing Hmm. which is, you know, referencing the past. Sure. And maybe that's because I have more past to reference, but it hmm. seems to take on more importance. Well, and, and from my work, uh, my background is in predictive modeling statistics, and I did, a, I did a lot of predictive modeling, which is all based on the past. And 20 years ago, it worked so much better, but now things are changing too quickly. So I think... We're being forced to really look at what is more current, and this now we can do by looking at interactions, say from a marketing perspective, we can look and see what people are doing online. So it might be in the past, but it could just be a few seconds in the past, um, mm-hmm. almost almost real time. Yeah, almost, um, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. The, inner, the reading between the lines, I don't think we've quite mastered that <laughs> statistically, <laughs> well, but... In, a, in subtle ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. for inferences. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to also talk a little bit about development because sometimes when people are looking at any kind of a typology, they think, oh, that, that puts me in a box. Mm, yeah. And the human agility mapping has a big space for development. And part of it is that it starts with you know, centering and, and finding out what is at your core. But it also has, like, um, you now can recognize, if depending on which lens you're use, using, um, areas that you want to improve on and consciously develop other areas. And, and um, 
and then tap into an emerging development process, which is part of Jung's theory, which is about type development. So it isn't a coincidence that I do interpreting most and that I tap into reviewing mm. easily. You know, that and later in life that I do that more now than I did before. And even though I have a preference for the judging process of analyzing, which would have been introverted thinking, I just let people know that it does go with these codes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the last, I don't know, 30 years or so, I've been very interested in people and mm-hmm. and saying things nicely and accommodating people and connecting with people. Not to the point of gregariousness, but mm-hmm. very interested in that and and working to develop those skills in myself. So, uh, and it was just natural. It just started to happen all by itself. That, that I just have to share that I feel like I followed a similar pattern because I was very involved in data mining and predictive modeling, but I started to really feel an uh, urge to look at how people respond and are treated in business and I went through many well several mergers and acquisitions where I think the business suffered because of the way they just disregarded how people were doing in the process and so it became really what what led to this show was being interested in the human capital and um, and really seeing how all these areas of of development and style um, can be leveraged to really make business more successful and people happier. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So that's why I think it's important, at least for some of us, to have a map mm-hmm. and a common language inside an, uh, an organization with a group so that you can start to laugh yeah. at, at, oh, look, there she goes again. <laughs> you know? Or, oh, look, there I go again doing my thing. And, you know, forgive me if I've stepped on your toe. And it yeah. isn't like, you know, you don't have to take it personally anymore. Right. You just say, well, we know that's how she is. And she doesn't mean to be, you know, offensive or whatever, or, you know, yeah. that we can take responsibility. Well, we have about two minutes left. So um, just to kind of put things into a framework. So if someone would want to know how to get one of these maps, would they need to be in an organization or is there a way they could get a map from you or how does that work? Well, it's really a process. I was thinking about, you know, what is agility mapping and it's really a set of practices and frameworks. Mm -hmm. So if people want to know for themselves, um, I do do individual sessions, usually remotely, so they can contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then we do, a lot of my work is in training other people to do this work. So, okay. um, and, and, and so it's sometimes with organizations, but very often it's the people inside or inside organizations or the external consultants who come and they learn the method and they get certified in it. Great. So, so I would suggest to the listeners, if they're interested Talk to your boss about bringing this in, but also you can go to lindabarons.com and, um, and contact Linda to get this. And Linda, do you want to give out a phone number or would you prefer people contact you via email? Uh, email is better and it's very, very simple. It's linda at lindabarons.com. Great. Well, so it looks like we're about out of time. Linda, thank you so much for being my guest today and I hope you'll come back and visit us again. Oh, thank you, Olivia. It was great. 
Thanks. So next week, my guest will be Leslie Pratch, back by popular demand, and we'll be discussing coping styles and implications for choosing leaders. And I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between what we talked about today and these coping styles, which are essential to understand how someone will be successful as a leader. So you won't want to miss this. For a full description of this show and access to all past shows, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning into Quantum Business Insights and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.